0: Well, hey, welcome everybody, so good to have you with us today, and you know, when I was growing up, the playground was this sort of location for a whole lot of non-sanctioned games on the uh, on the playground, these games were different from the the more sanctioned games like duck, duck, goose and tag. I'm talking about games like monkey bar wars, truth or dare, kill the carrier. <laughs> I mean, one of these non-sanctioned playground games was called bloody knuckles. Anybody remember bloody knuckles? In case you're not familiar with it, uh, let me just sort of explain bloody knuckles. It is a simple game. I mean, it tests your speed, it tests your strength, and most importantly, it tests your pain tolerance. And so what would go down is two kids would stand there facing each other with knuckles touching and then one of them would hit the other kid's knuckles as hard as he can. And then the other kid, he goes and hits their knuckles and back and forth and back and forth, blow after blow. And this goes on until one kid quits for one simple reason, which is that the pain just gets too intense. It becomes so intolerable or or the blood starts flowing once you got a little older. And sometimes life can feel like a big game of bloody knuckles can't it (laughs) except for one difference you can't quit Every time you turn around, you keep getting hit. Every time you, you 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 know you you fire up the news, another hit. Every time you look at your bank account, another hit. You, you think about your dreams and and what you thought would happen versus what has happened, and it is another hit. You look at your relationship status, another hit. You look at the pain and the difficulty in your marriage, another hit. You look at your mental state over the last few months, another hit. And I mean the blows just keep coming. In fact, a lot of people really feel like 2020 has just been one blow after another. I saw this on Instagram and and had to laugh. Check this guy out. He says, me looking outside to see what chapter of Revelation we're doing today. And it definitely feels like that is a reality in this season. We've taken so many hits economically, socially, personally. Uh, You know, and we're, we're really in this season where when the hits keep coming, we start to ask a question. And the question is this, it's an important question. It's the question, why? Why? I mean, why are we going through this? Uh, why why is there so much difficulty and pain? Why is there injustice? Why why are my prayers not really answered? Why are we why are we facing all of this stuff? Why is the depression not going away? Uh, why 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 are things continuing to get worse? Why did I lose my job? Why is unemployment continued to, continuing to be so frustrating? Well, why aren't things getting better? I mean, as spiritually, you know, our why questions can often sort of bl- boil down to a couple fundamental questions that relate to God. One of them is this, we think, hey, you know what, if God really loves me, if he's really good, then why is all this bad stuff happening? Another question we often ask is, hey, if God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he step in and make things right? And so we try to answer these why questions as best we can, and they can lead to sort of a minefield of doubts in our lives. We think, hey, maybe God doesn't care about me. Maybe he isn't, he isn't so good after all. Or if he's good, maybe he isn't so powerful to really step in and do anything in my situation. Uh, maybe he's doing his best in this broken world, but there's only so much much that he can do. Maybe he's mad at me. Maybe I deserve this. And so we can get all kind of hung up on why questions and we can spin around sort of endlessly in circles in our life. But when you look to the Bible, it doesn't really fully answer the why questions, but it does uphold them. It categorically declares that God is good and that God is all powerful and that we still suffer. God is good, he's all powerful, but we still suffer. We still struggle and so rather than answer all the why questions, it instead challenges us with these sort of constant reminders about the God who rules and loves, uh, about the God uh, that we are to cast our cares upon and, and the God that we're to trust. See, God wants us to hope in him. And so the implication is that while why is an important question, it may not be the most helpful question when it comes to suffering. Maybe, just maybe, even if we had all the answers to the whys, we'd actually find them unsatisfying and ultimately unhelpful for the pain that we're facing. A bigger question emerges. And the bigger question is simply this. Who? Who? Who do we trust in the midst of the suffering we face? Who do we trust in the midst of a pandemic? Who do we trust in the midst of the difficulty? Why is an important question, but who is an even bigger, more helpful question? Who are you going to trust and who is worthy of our trust in this season? You know, um, when I think about kind of where we're at in our life, asking why, it's a very good question. But asking who is a question that leads to a powerful person, the person of God. And why might be able to help you understand or process, but who can help you overcome? Who is with you is more important than what is against you. Listen, who is with you is more important than what is against you. And so God can overcome even when you don't understand. Jesus is over whatever you are under. Jesus is the king of your life. In fact, the book of Colossians addresses this question in sort of a powerful way by reminding us that Jesus is king. The book of Colossians was written by the apostle Paul to believers in the city of Colossus. And uh, you know, it's this, uh, it was a city that Paul had never personally been to but um, his his followers had been, and a church community had been started, and had grown, and had developed. At the time, it it was uh, still a place where a lot of different cultures had come together and had met, and so Paul's writing to both confront some false teaching, but also to remind us where to look in the difficulties of life. You see, the theme of Colossians is the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ over all of life. Jesus is not just a suffering savior, he's not just a wise teacher, he's not just a loving Lord, he's also a sovereign king. He's the authority over this world. He's completely good and he's all powerful and he is for us. So we can spin around in circles asking why right now in our lives. And we all do this in different seasons and it's okay. But when we shift to who in this season, Colossians will point us to Jesus. He's the one worthy of our trust. He's the one that brings us together no matter our background, our color, our neighborhood, our income, our prospects. Jesus is king. And so check this out, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. We actually have the beginning of what is a very famous um poem in the book of Colossians and in the New Testament. It's one that's dedicated to the person of Christ. Some would say that this passage we're about to look at is the single most important passage about Jesus in the entire New Testament. So it's this incredible statement of Jesus and his rule and his reign in our lives. Now the way we do this at Central is I'll read this uh, off the screen. When we get to the red word, I'm going to ask you to just say it out loud with me and uh, say it loud and proud. Make sure everybody's awake around you. So here, here, here we Go, Colossians chapter one verse fifteen. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is what supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Now check this out. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything. In other words, Jesus existed before he was born in Bethlehem 2000 years ago. He existed from the beginning of time because as Christian theology teaches, Jesus is indeed God. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they are three in one. And Jesus is God. He existed before anything was created. He's supreme over everything. Through him, God created everything. Through who? Through Jesus in the heavenly realms and on earth. That's big. That's a huge statement. Listen, I don't know what you're facing right now in your life, I know a lot of us are facing stress and pressure and tension from a million different angles. And there's a lot of things you can focus on. You can focus on the news right now. You can focus on the state of the coronavirus right now. You can focus on, you know, your business and your workplace um, in this season right now. You can focus on social issues right now. You can look at your own personal life and difficulties that you're up against right now. But listen, all of that will frustrate you if you don't also lift your eyes to Jesus who is king, who can move, who can work, who is still large and in charge. We have to, listen, What's going to unify us as a church community? It's not issues, it's Jesus. What's going to call us together in the midst of our difficulties? It's Jesus. And when we look to him and focus on him, we find renewed power and strength and perspective. We're drawn together again and we overcome together again. The focus has to be on Jesus. So what we're going to do over the next several weeks is work through the book of Colossians and look at how Jesus is king and lift him up so that we can all experience more more of him in our hearts and in our lives. Paul wants his audience to stop as he's writing this letter and to think about what is being read in the words we just looked at. He's confronting his audience with who Jesus is. I mean, this statement that we just read about Jesus, this would have been considered high treason in an empire that sought to establish Caesar as the image of God. So, so why is our view of Jesus important? I think it's because the size of your God really determines the size of your trust. And if your God is all powerful and he's good, then your trust grows exponentially in him by faith. But if if your God is good but not really in control, then your trust begins to wane. So here we see that God is awesome, that he's revealed himself fully in Jesus, and that as we expand our view of God and our trust in Jesus as king, we can grow our sense of hope. So the first thing I wanna encourage you to do in this season in your life is to trust Jesus' compassion. Trust Jesus' compassion. You know, years ago, I had a chance to watch the Dallas Cowboys on a Monday night game play the Washington Redskins in Dallas, and it was sort of a last-minute deal. A friend of mine had tickets, and he called me, and he's like, Judd, can you do it? I said, yeah, you know, so I I, I went to the airport. I thought for sure I was just going to get stuck in some middle seat there at the airport, but thankfully, I was able to get a window seat, which was awesome, and I was next to this nice married couple who sat there beside me, and they actually weren't space invaders. Come on. somebody, and the people took off, my uh, uh, and the plane took off, my friend uh, Tommy picked me up at the airport, and we got to the stadium early, and even though the Cowboys didn't score a single touchdown, so typical, they did kick six field goals, (laughs) not a single touchdown, six field goals. And they won the game at home in Dallas on Monday night, which was awesome. In fact, the stadium was going crazy. Everybody was cheering. People were high-fiving. People were like yelling and reaching over each other and spilling drinks and food on each other. Everybody was completely losing their minds. We were sharing this deep love for one another. Everyone was excited except the guy beside me. I went to high-five him and he didn't respond at all. And I'm like, hey, don't, don't leave me hanging. And then all he holds up his his red skin shirt, which I didn't even notice. I wasn't even aware he, uh, that he was wearing it. And then I understood, you know, we were in the same place. We were at the same time, but we were having completely different emotions, all because of who we had put our hope and our trust in. Now, The whole thing could have gone the other way, right? You know, I could have been the one who was miserable. I could have gotten the middle seat on the plane. My friend could have been late picking me up. My team could have choked like they often do. And I would have been as miserable as that guy that I was sitting beside. That's how football is. That's also how life is. But listen, your quality of life is tied to the quality of those you put your hope in. If they come through for you, then you're loving life. But if they don't, then, you know, things are a lot less. That's awesome in your life. When you're hurting and struggling, you can try to have optimism that things will change and will, will go your way. But there are a lot of variables there. The better thing is to trust God's compassion in Jesus, to put your hope and trust in him. He doesn't change, he doesn't waver, he's in control and he has revealed himself. And so look again at the first words of this poem. Here's what it, Colossians 1:15. help me on the, on the red word here. It says, Christ is the what? Visible image of the invisible God. Who, what is the visible image of the invisible God? Christ. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. See, that word that's used here to describe Christ as the image, the word image of God, it's, it's a Greek word from which we get the word icon. It means the, an image or a representation. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. When we think about God, we should think about Jesus. And when we think about Jesus, we should think about God. Christianity teaches that there is one God in three persons, that Jesus is God. And so we learn most fully about who God is from Jesus. In fact, when you, when you look at Jesus' life, you see that the number one emotional response of Jesus mentioned more than any other emotional response in the Bible. In other words, um, you know, was, was he Jesus mad, or was he angry, or was he sad? I mean, when you dig into that, you see what the Bible says more than anything else? Jesus was moved with compassion. Who is Jesus? Who is God? He's somebody that's moved with compassion. So your problem may feel like it doesn't have a lot of compassion in it right now, right? But your problem isn't the visible image of the invisible God, that's Jesus. And Jesus was moved with compassion. So is God, he's full of compassion. What else do we learn about Jesus when we look to the Bible? We see he's full of love. Not just for the people who had it together, but for the riffraff, for the broken, for the for the hurting. He's filled with, with love. He's filled with compassion towards all kinds of people. He got mad when people were mistreated. And that's why he was so harsh with the religious leaders of the day who weighed people down with rules, but didn't offer love or compassion. And here's how I want to just encourage you today. If you're hurting, if you're struggling, if you're asking, why am I going through this? Listen, the Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That means that God is loving. God is compassionate. God is caring. God is good. God is wise. God is powerful. God is a healer. God is a restorer. God seeks out the outsider. God forgives the rebel. God calls the unqualified. God is a gentle teacher. God is moved by suffering. God is willing to sacrifice for you so that you can live. God's willing to lay it all down so that you can rise up. God wants you to be with him in paradise. God wants you to be with him to today. Today, tomorrow, and forever. God will someday heal every wound. He's gonna dry every tear. He's gonna make all things new. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. See, we're all made in the image of God, uh, which gets to sort of our capacity to know him, to love him, to worship, to make moral choices. But Jesus is the one who is the visible image of the invisible God in an ultimate sense. He's the exact representation of God. He's the one to look to. Jesus is King. So, that problem that you face, that issue, it's not the visible image of the invisible God. That difficulty that you're up against, it is not the visible image of the invisible God. That challenge that feels so overwhelming right now. That's not the visible image of the invisible God in your life. That betrayal you face. That's not the final visible image of the invisible God. That depression that won't lift. That's not the visible image of the invisible God in your life. That judgment that you face for your past. That's not the visible image of the invisible God. The loss you face. That's not the visible image of the invisible God. The discrimination, the pain, that's not the visible image of the invisible God. The roadblock the challenges, the exhaustion, listen, the voices of self-doubt and self-hatred, those are not the image of God in your life. The high standards you can never live up to, that's not the visible image of the invisible God. Your failures are not the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is king. And so you gotta trust Jesus' compassion. Who is with you is more important then what is against you? Who is with you is more important than what is against you. Trust his compassion and then trust his power. Trust Jesus' power in your life. You know, much of life is just A matter of perspective. I saw this exchange on Instagram. I thought this was funny. This person says, I've been in seven car accidents this year. Hello, somebody. Seven car accidents this year. Y'all can't tell me God doesn't have a plan for my life, right? Uh, Yeah, but I love this response right here. Somebody says, girl, it sounds like he's trying to kill you. Different perspectives, right? Different perspectives. Um, We all have that one friend, by the way, don't we? They, They love to roast us. But sometimes when life is falling apart, we feel alone. Too often we try to do it by ourselves. Well, we hang on with our own strength. I mean, people ask like, how you doing? And I know many times when somebody says, how you doing? You know, we just immediately go, hey, I know, I'm doing fine. I'm doing good, I'm doing good. In fact, I had a moment with myself recently where I, you know, I tell everybody I'm doing good and that's just sort of the answer. But I told my wife, Lori, like, I, I've just gotta be more honest when she says, how you doing? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell her, you know? And, I had a moment where I just had to admit to myself for several days, I'm not doing good, I'm not okay, I'm not doing good. I had a moment where I just had to admit to God, I'm, I'm not okay, I'm not doing good. It's power, it, it, we say around Central, it's okay to not be okay. It is powerful when you're overwhelmed with stress, when so many things are coming against you that you can't control, to just acknowledge when you're not okay. That's, that's okay. A lot of times, um, when we're not okay, people say, I'm barely hanging on, right? I'm, I'm hanging on by my, by my fingernails, you know? And Paul reminds us that no matter what we're facing, God is the one who holds everything together. We can let go of self-reliance and hold on to God. So check this out. Um, Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, says this. For through him, God created, through who? Through Jesus God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth, and he made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he what? Holds all creation together. Jesus holds all creation together together. Paul is basically saying that Jesus is the goal of all creation. Everything was made through him and everything was made for him. And some translate that, that that phrase for him as toward him, which makes the sense even more dramatic. Like all things were created through him and toward him. Everything began with him and will end with him. All things come forward at his command and all things will return to him at his command. He's the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. One day everything and everyone will give him glory. Paul's point is that if something exists, you better bet that Jesus Jesus rules over it, (laughs) whether it's spiritual thrones or kingdoms or rulers or authorities or physical thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities. It doesn't matter. He rules it all. He made it all, and he actively sustains it. Jesus and God are one, and you and I are only here today because he's willing it. He holds all creation together. I mean, have you ever met somebody and, and not realized who they were? Uh, you know, if you're a fan of golf, I'm not really a huge golf person, but if you're a fan of golf, you may remember the name Bubba Watson. Uh, you know, he won the Masters, he had an incredible run, still plays professionally. But several years ago, I was speaking at this leadership conference, and um, a friend of mine walked in with his friend, and I said hi, and we chatted for a couple minutes, and everything was cool and kosher. And it wasn't until um, a little bit later, maybe an hour later, that somebody near me came up and said, Well, man, how cool was that to get to meet Bubba Watson? And I'm like, when would you do that? And they're like, I I did it just a few minutes ago. But they're like, Judd, you were talking to him, you met him, you just, you stood right there. And I'm like, I did? And they're like, yeah, you did. I'm like, man, I, I was in the presence of one of the world's premier golfers, and I didn't even recognize it. And I think what's really tragic is, you know, every day we have the opportunity to be in the presence of somebody so much greater than an athlete or a celebrity. We are in the presence of Jesus. And even as we gather at our locations or online, we are in the presence of the King. But if we aren't careful, we fail to recognize who we follow. We lose perspective in all the challenging news feeds and everything that's going on in the world. We have to look beyond what is in front of us to the king who rules us. Let me say that again. We have to look beyond what is in front of us. You gotta look beyond the news feeds to the king who rules over us. The book of Revelation describes Jesus as this, quote, the ruler of the kings of the world. Think about that statement. For just a moment. When we hear the word kings, we only think about the sphere of, uh, of government because, uh, you know, in, in our day, power tends to be divided into different spheres. You know, you have government, education, media, the arts, so on. But it wasn't like that when John wrote the book of Revelation. At that time, the king ruled over everything. So when Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth, it's saying he rules over every aspect of society. He rules over every single sphere of life. Jesus is Lord over the White House, over Congress, and over the Supreme Court. He's Lord over CNN, MSN, and Fox News. He's Lord over North Korea, China, and the Middle East. He's Lord over Broadway, Wall Street, Main Street, and Hollywood Boulevard. He's Lord over the bond market. He's Lord over the stock market, the real estate market. Lord over bank presidents and university presidents and CEOs and CFOs and COOs. He's Lord over Apple. There is no area of life, no authority in this world, no faction of power or rebellion that isn't subject to his power. And the Bible says the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on every street and every boulevard even Las Vegas boulevard that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that Jesus is Lord. When you're discouraged, you have to remember who your savior is. You have to remember who Jesus is. Listen, if the same God that holds the universe together is the same God in charge of your life, do you think he can hold you together when things get scary? Mm. Listen, if he holds the stars in place, Can he hold you together in your depression? Listen, if he holds the moon in orbit, he can hold you in your financial struggle. If he holds the earth in its orbit, he can hold you in your loneliness. If he holds the water in the oceans, he can hold you in your marriage troubles. If he holds the snow on the mountains, he can hold you in your illness. If he holds the sun in the sky, he can hold you in your job frustration. If he holds the leaves on the trees, he can hold you in your bankruptcy. If he holds the continents together, he can hold you in your furlough. If he holds the lightning in his hands, he can hold you in your family conflict. If he controls the seasons, he can hold you in the ups and downs. If he holds the nations in his hands, He can hold you in your unknowns. If he holds the wilderness and the unseen places, then he can hold you in your wilderness and your feelings of insignificance. If he holds the universe together, he can hold you together. Hold on to the God who holds on to you. Trust him. Even when life falls apart, God holds you together. Who is with you is more important than what is against you. You know, recently the world lost a great teacher and pastor. His name was Ravi Zacharias, and he passed away a few weeks ago from a rare form of cancer. Many people knew him um, as this incredible intellect, incredible teacher, amazing speaker. Uh, I once drove three and a half hours just to hear him speak and was blown away by his intellect and and who he was. He wrote a lot of books, uh, spoke all over the world, All the major Ivy League schools and universities and some of them, you know, just brought uh, a powerful intellectual perspective to why people believed in God. So he was really good at answering people's why questions. He was brilliant. And uh, what many people don't know is that he started out his spiritual journey uh, from a place of brokenness. He was born in India and he grew up a skeptic. And at age 17, he attempted suicide while he was recovering in a hospital person brought him a Bible. and The words of Jesus completely changed his direction. All his whys met a who. And I love the way he summed up his life. He says, I came to him, Jesus, because I didn't know which way to turn. And I remained with him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have, but I remain with him because I have something I will not trade I came to him as a stranger, but I remain with him in the most intimate of friendships. I came to him unsure about the future, but I remain with him certain about my destiny. See, why is an important question, but who is the most helpful answer? Who will you trust in the midst of the struggle? Trust Jesus, he's the king. Trust his compassion right now in your life. He's the visible image, of the invisible God. And if you want to know what God's like, if you want to know how he feels about you, just look to Jesus and his compassion and then trust Jesus' power. He's holding everything together. And how much more can he hold you when it seems like everything is falling apart? This week, when you're frustrated or you're exhausted or you're worn out or you, know, you just want to give up, I want you to remind yourself. I want you to say it again and again and again. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. I may not be okay, but I will be okay because Jesus is king, because he's still in charge. The size of your God determines the size of your trust. Who is with you is more important than what is against you. Hang on to him. Trust him. Remember that Jesus teaches us who God is. God's powerful. God's good. God's loving. God's compassionate. God is for you. You are not alone. In fact, he's inviting all of us to reach out to him and to come to know him today. And in the middle of this crazy season, I do believe God is trying to teach us something. In many ways, he's brought the world to a shutdown and sent all of us to our room, (laughs) if you will. Remember how your parents used to say, you go to your room. We all had to go to our room and sit. And uh, now the world's slowly reopening, but I think the question still is, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And for some of you, God is trying to bring you to a place where you will turn to him and follow him and experience his goodness and his grace. And you've held out this long, but you're finally ready to make that step. And if that's where you're at in your life, I would be honored to lead you in a simple prayer to open your heart to God through Jesus Christ. And to ask him to forgive you and to work and to move in your life. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you in Christ's name. Friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I just want to ask you to slip your hand in the air wherever you're at. Just slip your hand in the air. Reach out and trust Christ right now in your life. Trust the King. God, I thank you for each person just acknowledging you and trusting you today. And I pray you'll move and work in their life and all of our lives as we follow you. Forgive them, heal them, restore them. God, we give you praise and we give you thanks today in Christ's name, amen. Listen, if you made a spiritual commitment in your life today, I want to just tell you congratulations. We'd love to provide some resources to you. We've created a, a, a resource called How to Follow Jesus, and uh, it's a powerful little tool that uh, we can send to you in a digital format where you can download it. It can help you over the coming days and weeks as you begin to grow in your faith and continue to take those steps of faith. And uh, I want to encourage all of you to uh, lean in over the next several weeks as we work through the The book of Colossians. We're going to be learning about how Jesus is king. I'm so excited to dive in and unpack some of these incredible biblical insights. Listen, where we put our focus is going to have everything to do with how we are over the coming days and weeks. So let's put our focus squarely on Jesus. Jesus is king. Let's lift him up and build our life on Christ. And as we do that together, we're going to find hope and strength and unity and meaning and purpose. I hope you'll join me for every week of this study, and I look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.